Hey guys, it's Matt, and if this audio doesn't sound super great, it's because it's not. I'm recording this on my phone. Anyhow, before we kick off this special episode of Filler, we just want to let you know that there is a beautiful version of this episode in video form that we recorded on location at Ozone Coffee. A huge amount of work went into producing that video, and we'd love for as many of you guys to see it as possible. It's currently $2.99 on Vimeo, and you'd be hugely supporting the series by streaming it. You can find it at vimeo.com slash on-demand slash filler live, or by clicking the link in the description of this episode. Also, guys, this is the final episode of Season 2. Harry and I can't believe how fast it's gone by, but we're so excited to start releasing episodes from Season 3. Trust us, it's going to be incredible. Until then, you guys can stay in touch with us by tweeting us at FillerPodcast or by emailing us at hello at FillerPodcast.com. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Harry, and that's Matt. Hey. And this is Filler, a creative industries podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Filler Podcast. This is uh, the first ever episode of Filler Live. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So um, that you can hear in the background is our is our studio audience. You could say our studio today is Ozone Coffee. Uh, Ozone Coffee have been incredibly uh, welcoming to us. They're an, an awesome company in, in East London, um, and they do all sorts of things as well as helping small businesses. Um, and they roast their own beans as well. Hundred percent. Yeah, they're being they roast their own beans in house. Wholesalers to like, like 120 different uh, stores around Europe, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and so they're also just like they help local businesses and local restaurants and cafes with getting uh, started with their cafes, supplying them with beans, and they're just great people for the coffee community. I mean, I don't know if we'd like them as much if they didn't host us. Yeah, but we definitely do. How is that for us? Um, <laughs> uh, we do though. Thank you so much for hosting us here. Um, we this is a very very special episode. Uh, we have Estee Lalonde, Bertie Gilbert, and Charlie Cox. Uh, for those of you who don't know who they are, I'll give a brief intro. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Cool. So Este is a beauty and lifestyle vlogger, uh, I guess mainly on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now an author. Not yet. Not yet. I'm As working in the on process, it. It's September 1st, pre-order on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, Bertie is a filmmaker, also primarily on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlie, dear Charlie, is a writer, blogger, producer, uh, just human extraordinaire. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we basically we were sitting down to try and organise how this would look, and, and we we put down a designer and a photographer and a YouTuber on, and we mixed up. And I think actually we decided just to go for something a little bit more specific, a little bit more targeted. So we made the whole panel uh, people who have a part in creating things on YouTube. So Estee represents the vlogging community in this instance, Bertie the filmmaking one, and Charlie everything that goes into making those things happen. Um, so hopefully we can give you guys um, quite an insight into the YouTube community, the YouTube, YouTube culture, um, and just anything from kind of creativity and inspiration to uh, the actual hands-on production tips. So thank you very much for being with us. Um, Let's we kick off? go. Let's go on with the main question. Brilliant. Uh, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, we thought we'd be kick off. I wanted to ask the question: um, What's a YouTuber, and like, how would you explain that to anyone? Um, and it's an impossible question, as we can see, because you're three entirely different people. Um, but I think a question for all of you, and you can take it in turns answering it, um, is: How would you guys compare what you do on YouTube with uh, with a more traditional creators of video? I don't want to go first. That's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> gone, mate. Uh, <laughs> What was the question again? <laughs> the question, how would you... Uh, how, would how you do you compare what you do on YouTube sure. to other kind of... So in your case, it would be you make films on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's vastly different from yeah, making yeah. films in, in the kind of real big boy film industry. But the fact is, is that your part of that industry is becoming mm-hmm. pretty large, isn't it? We, I think... I don't know. I think the biggest... I, I, I've had a taste of, of more of that, of, of the kind of bigger industry out there. Um, I've been working on a feature film for a while and been talking to producers and stuff. Um, but I think the main difference is, I just think more freedom, yeah. I think. Um, I think 
I mean, it depends. If you get, even if you're a YouTube production, if you get, you know, funding and stuff, there's a degree to which you need to obey um, the people who've given you money. But yeah, I think I think generally, and I think the whole feedback thing, the kind of instant gratification and the instant like um, criticism in the YouTube comments is something that's vastly different from. Um, and it's just faster. I think faster, more free, but. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to do it forever. I don't, I, I don't think. I right. Think, I think some restrictions are maybe healthy yeah. in the big boy film world. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, I suppose climbing up the ladder mm -hmm. is quite an important, important, important ride for people. But then again, I kind of know, I know runners who are 27 and, and I know you. How old are you? 18. You're making your first feature film. Mm. It's, it's a, like that's it quick. It might be shit you know. It might it could be shit. <laughs> <laughs> it could be really shit. But there's plenty of shit films made from the big industry as well. Exactly. Well, yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose there's, no, there's not really another. Yeah, I was there's, say, there's not what? really anyone else doing what you do because you are a vlogger. Yeah. What else is there? <laughs> what What is the more professional version of what I do? It's not more professional. What is it? I guess it's just different, isn't it? Yeah. It's traditional. That's more what it traditional. Is. Um, yeah. I, I, for, for you, it's, it's you focus on lifestyle. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. That's fair to say. Good. I, mean, I feel like I'm in a courtroom now. <laughs> Is that fair to say? That's what it feels like with all these people looking at me. Can we start banging fists yeah. like an injustice? <laughs> oh, no! It's the trial of YouTube. Right. Um, sorry, I've interrupted you. What? Well, I mean, there are lifestyle shows. There's yeah. like lifestyle networks on TV and that sort of thing. But it is the, the freedom thing. Like, there's there's so much more structure to it. Mm. You always have to have a theme. It all has to go into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. YouTube is kind of like, oh, I feel like making this video today. I feel like this video next week. Yeah. There's no real. Yeah. You know? Charlie, you've had a, you've had some experience in both mediums. You've had traditional yeah, and, and I online. Think, um, I think as a producer, the main thing that you notice is budget. You don't <laughs> have quite as much money as you'd like to. Um, but at the same time, it's a really exciting space, particularly when I started producing, because you're learning with friends. Yeah. So instead of starting off as a runner and being terrified of like people that are a lot more accomplished than you, you can make a mistake and probably no one will notice because no one really knew what you were supposed to be doing anyway. Yeah. So it's quite a friendly atmosphere to throw yourself in and decide if you like something. And if you don't, delete the video. Like, yeah. It's so instantaneous, but then also disposable at the same time. So I like it. And, and how, how would that compare to, I mean, we've had chats about your time working with Russell Brand on The Trues, and you talked about how when you walked in on your first day and you kind of just looked around and you're like, me? Why, why am I here? How yeah. are, those must differ quite, quite a sometimes bit. It's, um, yeah, sometimes it's quite overwhelming because you've got quite a lot of old media um, faces that are looking at you like, you're a 20-year-old girl, like, mm. what do you know? and before you know it, you're speaking a language that they've never heard of before, which is great because it means you get such a wonderful opportunity to prove yourself, um, and you grow in so much confidence so quickly because you really have to be very vocal and passionate about why your ideas are right, and the ideas that you have about YouTube and how you promote video or how you work towards an algorithm or whatever is so different from old media that it's nice to teach the adult something, I think. So just by a show of hands in the room, I know the cameras aren't necessarily going to see all of this. Um, who has either wanted to make a film, gone into producing, or wanted a YouTube channel? Uh, there's a considerable amount of people. Um, Sam, you've got one, so you're like... I didn't know if that was... <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, do we have a question from one of the audience members? I think we've basically collected questions and, and, and have one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so we, had, we sent out a few tweets and Instagrams and all that, and we asked people to send questions in to be asked to, to you guys. Some really good ones actually came in, um, substantial questions. Um, I think that, I mean, it's quite general, but I think it applies to anyone looking to sort of get into a creative field. Um, this comes from, I hope it, I'm pronouncing this right, but Arabella? Arabella, are you here by chance? Arabella? Maybe not. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you deal with creative blocks? Because, I mean, like, the last month for me has been a whole creative block. That happens to everyone. It happens to everyone. Uh, Este. Well, that's my life. Yeah. Um, I think the, only, the thing with YouTube is you can't just stop making videos. Every week, I, or every four or five days, I have to have a new video up. Mm. So I don't actually have time for a creative block. I think I have those videos that I always go back to. They're the safe sort of things that I make. And it kind of gives me time to get my headspace and then think of something maybe a little bit more creative or mm. that takes a little bit more work. 
but I think, you know, the best way to do it is just keep doing stuff. If I just took two months off work, I don't think I'd actually be better off creatively, mm. you no. know? Yeah, 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 I totally agree. Um, I think, I, because I, <clears throat> obviously I'm still very young and stuff, and I, I'm not saying I've never had creative block, but you I haven't think, had creative block. No, I think <laughs> in recent memory, I don't think I have, because I think I've just been sort of like a kind of terrier. I've been very, like, excited the whole time about making things often, um, as often as I can. So I can't say that I've felt it recently, but I, I imagine if I, I don't know, personally, if I were to get really bad creative block, I think I'd be forced to, like, delve into my, like, darker past and, like, try dredge something up yeah. that's horrible that's happened to me in the past and maybe, I don't know. I, I think currently I'm okay. I think I don't think I've. When you first came to my apartment and I had no, it was a few times after, and you saw my swingy chair. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen anyone get so excited by a bit of rope. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't imagine you having a much creative block at all. Yeah, really. I'm just I, I'm just very like my heart rate is like mental. Like it's like a really small dog. So. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, you, you run you run a blog. And, and I do. you've got to keep that up to date. You've got to, um, you've got to yeah. keep making stuff. And as a producer, you've got to write. How, how, what do you do if you've got creative block? block? I've recently oh. discovered a really great method, albeit it makes me look absolutely insane. Okay. Um, I read poetry to my dog in my <laughs> sitting room every morning and perform it. Doesn't everyone? <laughs> um. Right, guys? <laughs> That's normal. Um, no, seriously, I, I picked up a a Kate Tempest book when I was away just recently and realised that they were words that were supposed to be spoken and not read. Um, so I did, I started doing that and I found so much excitement. Maybe I just really like the sound of my own voice, I don't know. Um, but it just really awakened something in me. Well, Kate Tempest is an amazing writer. Yeah, she's incredible. She's, like, she's amazing. If anyone hasn't heard of Kate Tempest, go and check her out. She has a lot of stuff and to music as been? well. Like, um, <laughs> where have you been? Yeah, first <laughs> off, um, I saw her outlook. She's amazing. Incredible. And it's just such an exciting way to... I think usually when you have a creative block, it's down to insecurity that your ideas don't have the potential to be great, so you just shut off. It's like procrastination. It's the fear of not being able to perform well, so yeah. you just don't do it. Um, Whereas when you're doing something as ridiculous as walking around your house shouting poetry at your bemused Labrador, I, I wonder, was the, you was kind the, of like lose all of that inhibition. Of, was the dog the original intent? Did you go to the dog, or did the dog kind of what the fuck? The, the dog going on, came Charlie? to me, Harry. The dog, to you. <laughs> the dog heard my words, heard words and he came came to me. Tempest and just. <laughs> I can imagine it now. That's no, great. I just lock him in the kitchen with me. He has no choice. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to listen. Um, you're talking about that insecurity. I, I get that all the time. And this actually comes from Heather. Um, on that note, so if you have an idea for a project, how do you find the courage, I suppose, uh, to, to just like just kickstart that project or start like scratching down ideas and building towards that final goal rather than just sticking it on the shelf and leaving it for later? Um, that's something that I struggle with a lot. I get a lot of ideas and then don't really know how to put them into compartments and mm -hmm. what's realistic and what isn't. I think the best way is to see how far you can take yourself seriously with it. So if I have an idea about something, I'll try and do a pitch document and I'm only really pitching it to myself. But then that way I can see this could happen, this could be a real thing. And then it's a question of why do you not want something you want to make into a real thing. Right. Do you find that with, with your scripts, mm. as you're writing them, do you kind of like look them over and the more you read them, yeah. as long as you don't get sick of them, yeah. then you know it's good? <clears throat> yeah, it's sort of, I think it's a case in terms of like having the courage to kind of have an idea and then pursue it in, yeah. in terms of like writing it and then shooting it and then whatever. Um, I think, I don't know, personally, I've had ideas that haven't been as good and then I've had ideas that I thought were better and those are the ones that I'd pursue. So I feel like there's this kind of inane like, I don't know, I think in your mind you just know that something's kind of a bit more special that, and it's worth pushing. Um, and I think it's important to kind of have people that you can go to who are willing to listen to you and not only believe in you but also like criticize you when necessary. Um, because like the last short film I did, which came out like a, a week ago, um, the first edit was like 35 minutes long. And my friend Jack, Jack Howard, was very honest and said, that edit's too long, it's really boring and it like, is really slow, can, I, can you give it to me? 
and he cut it down to like 17 minutes, um, and it's much better. So I think I've gotten better at it, but I think it's yeah, it's a case of being able to be ready to take on criticism. Can you jump stuff? in on Bertie and say that it's yeah. not just much better; it's really bloody brilliant. And if you haven't seen it, you should. It's go a good and film. Thank you. I was completely Cheers. blown away. Thank you. YouTube.com forward slash. I, I, I don't know we'll the URL. There, we'll get there. I don't know the URL. Um, Not this early. Yeah. It's quite a nice point to touch on. We were going to talk, talk about this a bit later, but maybe we can talk about collaboration now. Yes. Because I know that's what you do. I do that with my scripts. You send it to a whole host of people. I think probably the same people I send mine to. Um, collaboration is a massive part of, of everything. I suppose in, in, in your life, less so, yeah. but you still have a, a, a small team of people that you work with on a regular basis, is that I mean, right or kind no? of. Kind like when I, when I make a video, I don't really show it to many people before I put it on the internet. No. It's really just me, and occasionally Aslan will look at it, but he chooses not to sit through them. But I, <laughs> I it's me. Yeah. It's really stressful sometimes, because I think, Oh, what if this is like really terrible? And then you put it out there, and sometimes it is, and sometimes mm. it's not. I feel, like, I feel like the YouTube community is pretty small. It's pretty tightly knit, I guess. Do you do yeah. you lean on a lot of other YouTubers when when things are going tough, or do you kind of internalize it a little bit? I internalize things. I call my mom. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm kind of weird about that kind of stuff. I have a certain group of friends who I'll say like I'll call Matt and be like I don't believe what's happening. But I I'm kind of an introverted person. You know, I'm a bit of a loner. So I like to just be a one woman show. Is that horrible to admit? No, no you're just talking to Reggie. People? I talked to Reggie, my greyhound. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should read Reggie some poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come round. Reggie. Um, your, your life is all collaboration, Charlie, because yeah. your job as a Sadly. producer is to like rally them all together, or the kind of the rabble. And the rabble has been the likes of who, I'll embarrass you now, it's... Um, it's been the, the Jack's Cap team, and I know how hard that is to wrangle together. Awful boys to work um, for. But brilliant films to make. Uh, and uh, you've got, who else have we got on there? Russell Brand with the Trues. We've got Ben. You've got Ben, ben Brown. Brown. Um, you've got Burberry in there. Put them into the mix. That's quite a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, how do you do it? How do you, how do you wrangle everyone together? And is it really actually quite a positive experience? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's just sing a song instead of answering questions. Yeah, yeah no. Eight times out of ten, it's a really positive experience. Um, and it's just really fun. I mean, people like Ben and Jack and Finn were always so great to work with because, first and foremost, they're my friends. Yeah. But then that does also make it quite difficult when, you know, as a producer, there is a line of you needing to be authoritative and a little bit scary. And it's hard to convey that when you're friends with someone that you're not having a go at them because they're a horrible person. You're having a go at them because they've lost their passport three days before they're supposed to be at the airport. Yes happened far too many times yeah. <laughs> um, but it's more exciting that way I think if if you weren't collaborating with so many people it would be I don't know I don't know how you do it I find it really lonely and a bit dull I kind of I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I mean that in the nicest possible way. But you know what, I feel the same about you because I couldn't work with that many people. When I walk into an office or a, you know, a team, yeah. I'm like, no, I couldn't do it. I want to be at home with Reggie, with Judge Judy on in the background, <laughs> and that is enough company for me. I think because I get a split of that, so when you're doing pre-production, I'm very much sat in my pants eating yeah. cold takeaways, watching Loose Women, actually. Uh, so I get that as like a, a lead-up point where I'm on my own for so long, getting stressed out, and then as soon as you're with other people that appreciate, like I guess they appreciate your stress because they all want it to be great as well, yeah. and that's what lifts you and makes you think, oh, I could do this again, or this is worth my time. I'm glad that I cried last week because this is great. Yeah. Do you usually know? Does it take until the end of the project when you're actually done to know whether it's been a good fit working with the other person, or do you? How long after you start working together do you know if it's going to be a good fit? I tend to do an initial meeting yeah. and to see if their like, ethics and morals align with mine in terms of like, why they want to make a film or why they want to talk about that particular thing. And if it's just sort of a wavy, oh, I think it might be a good idea, like, no thanks, drop me out. But if it's, oh, I'm just so excited and passionate about this, and I think as long as someone's passionate, it doesn't matter how difficult they are to work with. Mm. You you get to enjoy someone's, you know, passion, excitement, and that's so much more valuable than being picky over, over content, I think. That, that passion is, is quite common, thankfully, mm. in, 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 our, in our industry. There's a lot of very, very cool young people who are passionate about great things and want people to be involved. The trouble only comes when they expect that passion to act as a currency. 
uh, yes. in, in, as payment. Um, a lot of you guys right here and a lot of you guys listening as well will be young creatives trying to get their first gig or trying to get their first job in the industry. Um, how do you choose what to accept money for? I think this is probably a question for you, Charlie. I don't know, I don't know if that's a question for you. But, it, but money is a difficult thing. There's a lot of people out there who are going, well, it'll be great exposure for you, it'll be good for this. How do you take, because you have to take some of those jobs at the beginning, right? Or no? I personally never did. Yeah. Um, that might be just because I have a massive ego. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, no, I think you really have to respect your self-worth. And if somebody thinks that you're worth employing, then you're worth being compensated with, with money for that. You, if you're, it's, it's different. If you're being offered, I will pay your expenses, do it, take it. If mm. it's your first first gig it's your first experience definitely do it because you're not losing out that way mm. but if people are expecting you to get somewhere and eat there and get home and then I just think it's it's not fair on you yeah yeah there's a listener called Lily who, who asked something along the same same wavelength how do you actually build up the confidence to say no when it's not the right fit though especially at a young age I imagine it can be quite difficult especially when it's sort of aligned with where you want to be in a few yeah. years I think what's really wonderful is email, because <laughs> then you don't really have to look someone in the eye and be like, no, nah. You can just say, thank you so much. I've actually had another job come in. Um, oh yeah, it's definitely better to say I'm so in demand that I can't take your job, and then they'll come back to you and think, oh, maybe they were worth paying. I mean, if they're doing that much work, so it swings and swings around that. You were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say something. Yeah. For the first two years that I was a content creator, I didn't get paid anything. Mm. I didn't even have ad revenue on my channels, okay? I didn't even know people got paid for stuff. <laughs> um, and I started realizing everyone around me was getting paid except me. And then I, I had that thing where how am I going to ask for money from these brands who are telling me you're going to get great exposure and all of this and they're kind of selling it to you. You just have to kind of do it. And I, I literally enjoy it now. I, I feel like you probably would yeah. as well because I feel like I'm standing up for myself. Most people here get paid for their work, and our work is fun, but we should get paid. Yeah. Definitely, because it's time. Yeah, it's time. So I'm just a little pissed time off about is that. Money. But yeah, it's, yeah, it is an issue even today. Like, I got an email of this huge project that most people would get paid for, and they're like, unfortunately, we don't have a budget, but we'll put you in our newsletter. Nonsense. If they didn't have a budget, they wouldn't have someone emailing you because no. they're getting paid to send the email. Yeah. Budget. Help. <laughs> <laughs> And when, when, you, when you work for free, you're just essentially perpetuating the problem. You're yeah. just putting, yeah. it, putting it right back into the cycle because the next person that the, that brand approaches, they're yeah. going to expect for it to be free work. And it happens. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll say, this is how much I want for this job. And they'll say, oh, well, this person only wants this much. That's the worst bit when they then try and like toy you off and yeah. say, well, I spoke to someone who I know you're very good friends yes. with. And they yeah. only ask for half of that, so you're not worth that much. You're like, what? And you no. say, okay, hire them. Okay, take them, not me. Yeah. Nice. Do you want to go for a drink <laughs> after this? <laughs> and... um, that is, that, yes, I think that's really important. I mean, for me, what's really important is that anyone who's working for me in any, in any respect gets paid properly. Um, and if I can't do that happen, that it will be made up. And, and I, I, I think that's just about happening. The annoying thing about... On, and I'm going to speak for a bit here because I do that. And I've had a lot. Of, I've had a lot of criticism for speaking too much and not letting them speak enough. And I'm tired of it. I'm going to speak. Um, <laughs> so I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> well, here's a pencil. Oh no, no, I know what it is. I know what it is. It's it's um, it's about the digital age in general. There's a lot of older people or, or people who are involved in traditional media who think it's fine to pay these guys less. Um, because they're, they're used to smaller budgets. Um, but they're, in, in the first place, they're going to online digital people because they want to do it quicker. So they want to do it quicker, more efficiently, and they want to pay people less. And really, I think a more efficient service is worth far more than a slow and sluggish one. Um, so that's my message to you, traditional creative media people <laughs> who are going to fund my projects. <laughs> um, so, Brilliant. Um, so let's go from a question from the audience, shall we? Yeah, I think we should move on to uh, production advice and yeah. sort of how, how production works. Um, this one comes from Jesse. Is Jesse here? Hey, Jesse. Yeah, sure. uh, hopefully, this is the same Jesse. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, so how, how do you guys uh, 
spread your ideas and gain support your uh, gain support for your ideas, whether monetarily or just getting your audience sort of like um, keen on what you're about to create. Um, essentially, yeah, how do you gain support so you can turn what you have in your head into reality? Um, well, I, I'm very fortunate to, to know the people that I do in terms of making them. Like, I know, I know cinematographers, I know sound people that I've known for a while, so I can, can and, I've, and I've worked with them enough that it's kind of, it's very just easy to say, are you free on this day to hold a stick and record sound or whatever. Um, but in regards to, like, audience, I mean, I don't know, with me, because it's tricky, because I, I upload maybe once every... I'm trying to get better, but like five months have gone by where I haven't uploaded. Um, but but then the thing I do upload is 35 minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. But like so in that in that regard, I have to do like trailers and I have to do posters. So in a way, when I try and like get people on board for like a project, I kind of try and tackle it in a more traditional sense, in the way that like a kind of studio would, but obviously on a much smaller scale. So like teaser poster or like a hashtag or like a trailer. I've, I've never gone as far to do a teaser trailer and then a trailer and then a second trailer <laughs> and then like a bloody like like TV spot yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think for, yeah, I, for me, I've just, I've been very lucky to be surrounded by the people that I am that in terms of my audience and I know personally who can help me create stuff. Yeah, makes sense. So this is one that's probably on the top of any young person's mind at the moment. Um, how do you guys think that careers will change, specifically in the media industry, um, for the generation that's in school right now, or that's about to come out of school? Because like, things are changing so rapidly. New jobs are popping up all the time. Like a social media manager, if you had told someone 10 years ago that that was going to be a job role, they would have said, a, what social media? B, <laughs> how can I? Yeah, it just didn't. It didn't exist. So, how do you guys see the landscape changing over the next five years or so? Um, I do a job that I could never have gone to school for, and I had no idea what it was. And even now, I don't really know what it is that I do. Um, but that's so exciting, and I think it's only going to grow in that direction, where it'll be self-sufficient young people who are being self-taught and teaching themselves things and also all of this language and um, this digital space is native to us so it's not as though you're having to learn about it because you've grown up with it you already know which is exciting because you know at 15 or at 20 you're already a professional in a field that 30 and 40 year olds are desperate to pay someone to teach them about so I think that that will expand so much more. I hope so. I hope the opportunity for young people to not necessarily have to sit through the traditional route of school, but instead be a bit more entrepreneurial and sparky about how they go about getting a job. I mean, in this country, it's, it's insane uh, that we've just increased the age limit on education. So um, I didn't even know this until a friend, a friend of mine um, uh, told me. He's 16. Uh, he's oh, you found, have to be 18 now. Yeah, he has to be 18 yeah. to leave school in the UK. Um, he's 16. Uh, him and his business partner, James, right there, uh, is my flatmate, uh, have got this amazing business and, and he can't run that business because he's 16 um, and he can't, I can't do it. That's crazy, isn't it? Is it? It's yeah. really backwards. It's yeah. really, there we go, that was the passion you were looking for yeah, in response. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really backwards. I left school at 16 and if I'd not done that, I definitely wouldn't be sat at this table. I wouldn't know the things that I know. I think it would have been really detrimental. For me personally, I'm not saying everyone should boycott school and getting grades. Um, but I think for my own personal growth and understanding what I could study in the future or where I would like to be, it was all catalyzed from leaving school that young. It's a shame that other people can't do it. Yeah. I just want to say, I'm probably the oldest one here. I'm 25. I'm so old next to you guys. <laughs> but I, I went to university and it was awful. I hated every second of it, but... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go, actually, it's, it's really good. I know, I was looking like, at you like, please, I'm sorry. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I know what school you went to, and I know why you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> we both grew up in Canada, okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't think there was any other option for me. I yeah. finished... In Canada, you can't leave school at 16. You just can't do that. You have to be 18. And um, I think, I think. I think and so, answer, yeah. I went to university for a few years. I went to a different university, then I went to college, and then I thought, I, I am destined to fail here. It wasn't until I moved to England and I sort of 
became friends with all these creative people and started doing different things that I realized that not everyone was doing that thing of mm. going to school. And I don't regret going to school, but it didn't do anything to help me. Yeah, I, I did, because in the UK we have secondary school um, and then there's like sixth, sixth form. Um, and I did one year of sixth form and then I did one day of the second year, <laughs> one lesson, and I just... Nope. I, I literally, <laughs> literally, I just, I don't know, I just knew. I think it was... Just for me, at least, it was an environment that wasn't inspiring me. And I knew that while I was in this kind of dank little building doing stuff I didn't really care about, there were people out there that, that I could very easily meet and talk to who would kind of fulfill me much more than this thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, in hindsight, I should have decided before because I still paid for an entire term of college. I bet your mum loved and, you for that. Yeah, <laughs> and they wouldn't give me the money back. So. Yeah. So, if you want to leave college, decide before <laughs> you well, spend you lots of money. No, you yeah. If you live in the UK, you can't do yeah. it. Yeah, I um, was. Yeah, I think I was the last year yeah. that that could do that because I was seventeen. The only way of doing I'd it. I'd still be there now. Yeah, you'd still be there now. Christ. And, and but <laughs> the only way to do it, apparently, James was telling me, the only way to do it is to hire yourself as an apprentice, and then te- <laughs> and then technically you're still in education. And you, but that's still you can still do it, mate, if you're that determined. But um, I, my question, my question is, okay, so I am uh, someone who's not as fortunate as we are. I'm someone who's kind of in uh, inner city, um, like house somewhere. I'm living there. No one in my family is creative. Um, I have no way into the industry. But I've seen these guys on YouTube, and I've seen these guys sitting here in front of me. I'm like, how do I even start? Hire me. But how 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 do they how how do they get how do they get started? I mean, it's kind of it's sort of become a bit of a cliche to say, um, but you know, if we've all got cameras on our phones, yeah, um, and and I think I think more and more as time goes on, we'll we'll have the tools. Like you know, five years down the line, someone could have all the essentials in a very small device to pretty much make a pretty impressive film yeah you know and I think that you know there was a film I think it was at the Cannes Film Festival or Sundance or something and it was shot entirely on an iPhone in portrait mode and it like won all the awards so I think (laughs) if that's not really inspirational and and not encouraging to just like film stuff I don't know what is yeah I think also I mean I feel like the sentiment has been reflected in pretty much every single episode we've done it kind of spans across any part of a creative industry it's just that Obviously, you might have to have, actually not even, you don't have to have the best equipment in the world. It's just you have to, the the passion has to be there. The evident passion has to be there to fuel the idea. And it has to be obvious that you're actually, you like what you're doing. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's just, that's just me from my perspective talking about film and stuff. But like, if you want to write poetry, if you want to start a blog, there is, you know, generally there's not really anything stopping you. I, I understand that it, a lot of being noticed and a lot of being of really getting out there um, with that stuff is is to do with luck. Um, but I think if the drive's there and you're kind of patient, I think you know the world could potentially be your oyster. And just and I guess doing what you want to do is yeah. a really important important factor in it. Like mm-hmm. doing what you think should be done is is the is like one of the biggest mistakes. I mean, I I get contacted quite a lot. Um, by people on email, or probably nowhere near as much as you get uh, contacted. But since doing filler, especially, it's a hell of a lot of young creative people who are out there just went, "How do I do this? You know, what do, what do I do? Tell me what to do." Oh, there's that passionate, they're knocking glasses over. Um, <laughs> tell me what to do, and, and and you can't you can't tell anyone what to do. And I think the best, and it only happened recently for me, was a realization that actually, if I do the work that I love, if I make things that I really enjoy, then it's always the most successful. It's always way more successful than, rather than kind of going, I really like that picture, so I'm going to make one that's the same, same as it, or I really like that video, so I'm going to do my next video in that style. I think, actually, the times where I've sat down and gone, how do I want this to play out? Like, how do I want the person watching this or reading it or, or seeing it to feel when they, when they see it or watch it? Um, and that's been the most successful stuff as well. Yeah, but what about those fat stacks, man? Well, the fat <laughs> stacks. Come on. <laughs> the cheddar. Yeah. I, I haven't got much of it yet, so we're, and we're still waiting. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Vimeo, yeah. on demand. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, I, suppose, I saw you tweeted a couple of days ago, I think you quoted someone, or I can't really remember, but about how no one really has, especially young people, no one has patience anymore. People mm. just want to be as successful as humanly possible as fast as possible. Yeah. And I don't 
think it's a particularly healthy thing for people as well as the industry because you know no one no one gets it right off the bat or very few people um, yeah I think taking your time is a massive ma massive part of it I think we even did it with filler when we first sat down and tried to think about filler we we wanted like we had grand grand visions for it. Do you remember what the the we, name was meant to be before filler? What was it meant, it was meant to, be? to be called Mint, the Mint Podcast. Gross. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so gross. No, I mean thank God. <laughs> thank what does God that mean, not, guys? It's, um, we we sat down. We were going to make it live every week, so you could like live stream it every week. I mean that's crazy to even think about it right now. Um, we're going to have it video. We're going to have every, all the bells and whistles. And actually, I think. We sat down with Dan Rubin, mm. who is his, uh, one of our uh, previous guests and just an incredible, incredible guy, uh, good photographer and Instagram and everything. Uh, um, he sat down and said, whoa, like, stop trying to be the end goal right at the beginning, because as soon as you accept that you're not going to be that for a while, the better you'll be uh, building up to it, which I think was the, probably the best piece of advice I've got for anything, especially for filler. Because if we're, I mean, doing this, right now is laughably better than what it would be yeah. even a month or two ago. Yeah. I I'll agree. just answer the question again. There you Let's go. Podcast of Harry Hitchens. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, we're getting deep. We have, this one's a bit of a, a curveball. <laughs> we have oh, a, yeah. question, a question from Georgia. I really hope you're here. Uh, Georgia's not here. Did you ask the question about existentialism? Yes. yes amazing. <laughs> Georgia asks, how do you deal with the crushing weight of existentialism? <laughs> Bertie Gilbert. Great question. Hit me with it. <laughs> oh. Uh, um, uh, it's, it's kind of a joke. No, no, sure. <laughs> like, no, we all, we all get a bit existential from time to time. Yeah. Um, I think, for me at least, because I filmed, I filmed something about this, but I never put it anywhere, sort of, for me, kind of, it's usually quite a sad, I think I maybe spoke about this in my filler podcast. Yeah. It's usually quite a sad notion how ultimately insignificant we are and how like tiny we are in the grand scheme of the universe. But I kind of have formed the opinion that there's something quite liberating about that. Um, and that like, I don't know, like, what was my point? I can't even remember. We were talking about the cosmos and sort of like yeah, yeah. That any, the stars any, aligning. The, one the stars thing aligning. Said, the one there thing we go. you said, I remember, which is very clear in my mind. And I, I thought about it when I was crossing Waterloo Bridge the other day on a Boris bike. Yeah. I was thinking, it was back. I was That's looking a around. That's a great image. What did I say? Great image. And you said that when anything fucks up or goes wrong, that's a better word for it. Um, you just imagine the cosmos. Yeah. You just imagine how small we are. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was it. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's sort of. It's an. It's a. It's like as old as time. Like, oh, don't worry about it. It's all insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But like, yeah. It's like, if something trivial gets you down, or you, you it's kind of nice to be get a bit existential and just picture how absolutely insignificant that kind of problem is. Which isn't to say that kind of smaller issues don't have validity. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes if you want to get your priorities straight and you want to get your mind on track, I think it's very healthy to just sometimes picture just the universe and stars and supernovas and then picture like, oh, someone wrote a really mean comment on one of my vids, you know, <laughs> like. It puts it right Because those things are existing, yeah. those things are coexisting, you know. And that's mad. I think it's worth pointing out as well that if something even... Oh, no, I've just... Oh, no, I've just forgotten what I was going to say. We can cut that out, it's fine. Yeah, can we not do that? <laughs> yeah, we'll cut it It was out. really good. I know. Give her a minute. I know what this is like. Guy's carrying without me, I just need to move. Okay. <laughs> Um, I've got it. Even if something <laughs> <laughs> now, now we're leaving it all in. Um, even if something is insignificant, it doesn't mean that it's worthless. Yeah. Um, there's still definitely weight behind, you know, what you're doing. Even if it's, oh, it's completely pointless, there's yeah. there's weight in the pointlessness. Yeah, there, there, there's moments. You can where quote me on that. It was a beautiful piece of poetry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Made no sense. Uh, I, I get. Uh, if you ask why something's important, you never do it. Because the fact is, nothing's very important, really. If you look at it, when I'm writing uh, an article or something, and halfway through I'll go, why am I, why am I writing this? Like, there's peop some people are going to read it, no one's going to be affected by it. And, and actually, at that point, it's the, it's the worst point. Because really, just write it anyway. Get it out of your system. And I think if I do at least one thing, get one thing out per week, I just tick over, I think that's good. But as soon as I stop and ask myself whether it's important or not, of course it's not important. 
people die. There's people dying, you know. Yeah. Why are we sitting here doing this? Well, Big problem. At, at, the, at, at the, like, oh, kind of at the root of <laughs> all humans, you know, we ultimately are just animals. You know, on a, in, biologically, we are ultimately, our purpose is to eat and survive and, we cracked and, and slaughter <laughs> our prey. And so, shit out the stuff you eat. Exactly. So if you're doing that, you're, you're accomplishing what you essentially are meant to be accomplishing. <laughs> <laughs> everything uh, else, any, is, everything extra. else is, is extra and is, is, is something you should be you know, pretty chuffed about because you don't have to be doing that stuff, but you can if you want. Isn't you that, you've just solved my issue there. <laughs> oh, good. Um, uh, voice me later. <laughs> I, my mind. I think maybe, should we talk about values? Yeah. Let's talk about values here. About values. Um, values are important to any, any, pers- any creative person's endeavours, I think. I think sticking to a core value is, is a good thing. Is that right, Estée Lalonde? Yeah, I think so. It's kind of hard. Oh God, it's kind of hard to remember the values necessarily that you had when you started. I think they can kind of change a little bit, but it's important. I always try to put myself back in check and think, how did I start this? Why did I start this? Why am I doing this? Am I answering the question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and just kind of keep it all because it's a crazy life, you know, the stuff we're doing. I think it's very easy to get carried away with a lot of the stuff. But um, values are very important. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. I try to make meaningful things. Yeah. But you don't. But I'm I. Joking. <laughs> 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 I was going to follow up with something, but I, and I thought I thought to myself, should I go there? Should I do it? And like, fuck people laugh. Thank God. No. Was, oh my God. <laughs> Um, I would, I would say that I think I've known you for six months or so. I'd say that your core value, in, in my, in my opinion, would be balance yeah. uh, more than anything. You know how to keep things in check. Yeah, I, I try to. Day. I try I to keep that. Yeah, Harry. <laughs> I keep my energies balanced. I always have my crystals around. Do you have crystals? Um, I can't say I have any crystals. <laughs> I'm all about, you know, because I'm a little, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I need to keep everything on the same playing field. And I think my my content does reflect that a lot. Definitely. Yeah. I, you wouldn't be here if, if it didn't, by yeah. the way. And there, there's there's. there's <laughs> really honestly, high standards like, to be held. Did someone yeah. else high cancel standards. and that's why I'm here? No, I, I I think I think there's uh, the YouTube community is in, so saturated. I was actually having a very depressing look through it uh, yesterday, and and looking at how how channels are evolving and and, and changing in shape, and it's. And it's it's a really like tough business, isn't it? Really, yeah. it's a, especially because the brand is you, and and I think you do an incredible job of making that really just a really nice story for people to follow mm. along and a journey to follow, um, which I think is probably I think the the trait that I like in most of the YouTube channels I watch regularly yeah. is people who are genuinely going on a, on a journey and, and and just sharing their lives with you. And I think that's really really cool. Um, what was the point though? What was the point of what I was just saying? Morals. <laughs> Morals. Um, no, what was it? Values. It's values. It's values. values. Um, We're all listening. Bertie. <laughs> yeah, mate. Guys. Uh, Bertie. What are my values? What Harry? are your values? When you're writing a script <laughs> and, you, and you, give, you give it to five or so people, or right mm. now you're, you're working on a feature film, mm. it's a lot more kind of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Is, is, is there any, has there actually been any moments where someone's gone, no, it should be like this? And oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Absolutely. really shouldn't. Well, yeah, like, we started, <clears throat> we, I first met, the, we first started talking about making this film, like, November 2014. Yeah. And we've just been sort of writing it nonstop since. We're very nearly done. Um, but yeah, like, especially because at the time we started doing that, I was, I had never had any kind of adversity in terms of writing stuff. I'd always just kind of got on with it myself. Mm. I was less open to collaboration. But through writing this film and through working with different people on different shorts, I'm more open to it now. Um, but no, there was definitely like, all opinions are valid and stuff, but there was definitely like notes where I just thought, that's rubbish, that's stupid, don't, shut up. Um, <laughs> but you've got to be um, polite about it. But I think, I don't know, I think if people are willing to be, I think, yeah, if people are excited about you and have a degree of passion and care about what you're doing, even if you think some of their feedback is stupid, um, I think you, you, have, you do them a disservice to not listen. I mean, and also these people are my bosses, so I have to, basically. But it's, it's been good. It's been fine. It's a good script. It's a good script. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> That's Good. rubbish. Charlie. Hi. Values. Tell values. us about your values. Um, yeah, this is where I get scared that I'm going to get too opinionated, so I'm trying to psych myself down in my head. Yeah. Um, I think they're really, really important online, particularly because as audiences that we have, oh, they're growing up. We're catching people in a very tentative time of their lives. Um, and to be showing good ethics, morals, values with your work, but also how you hold yourself as a person. I mean, nobody signed up and said, hey, I want to be a role model. I just want to put things on videos. But you have to sort of understand that by getting excited and hyping up views and followers, you're, you are taking on that responsibility that you, you have people to look after. Um, I've always said to myself, I won't post a blog post unless it would have helped me three or four years ago. Like, what would I have wanted my 15-year-old self to read? And whether that's something that's funny or stupid or honest or deep, dark and depressing and let's talk about my feelings again. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just important to keep yourself in check. Is what you're making going to help someone, whether that's inspire them, make them laugh or teach them something? And if it's not, then... Mm. Yeah. Like, are your values in check? Can I say something? Go for Charlie it. is one of the girls I'm most inspired by because she is so honest about everything. And I think, you know, I've been doing this a really long time, talking about lipstick and hair and coats and jeans, but I think what you say is true. I think there comes a point where there's a lot of people making that kind of content, you know, mm -hmm. that yeah. is quite, you know, on the surface. And I think it's really important to kind of do things that are going to change someone or, or have them look at that and think, I get that or I feel comforted that someone else went through that. So I think Charlie has really inspired me, especially to do, you know, to make more content like that. It's been going well, so thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Can safely say is that if, if a male person, that's mm -hmm. me, yeah. by the way. Really? And, and <laughs> seriously, uh, and someone as cynical as me, if, if I can watch your channel and enjoy it, then you're very much different to Are you just trying to apologise for it earlier? Completely. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Thank you. I'm serious. Thanks. Um, have we got a question from the audience? Definitely, yeah. Um, I think we have time for a couple more. Yeah. Um, this is one that came in from multiple people, actually. Um, What's your favourite colour? No. <laughs> uh, is it red? Same. This is, some, this is something... Oh, God. This is something that I, I recently... I guess happened to me and... and um, something I struggled with for a while, and now that I'm actually on the other side of it, I'm super happy, but how would you, for someone who's considering going from being full-time employed and having that security to freelance, which I think for a lot of people, as indicated by the polling that we've done, um, people want to be doing freelance work and be working for themselves, and that's the end goal for most people, it's, it sounds like. Um, how would you, what kind of advice would you give someone who's looking to make that move from freelance, or from uh, full-time employment to uh, to freelance? Um, <clears throat> understand that it's not glamorous. It's, I mean, some days I think, when I'm working, it's the best thing in the world, and then I'll get a couple of days off and think, oh, this is amazing. But then when a job doesn't come in for a month, you know, it's not exciting. You do wish that you were sat at a desk somewhere doing anything because you're not getting the opportunity to show off your talent. Um, advice if you want to freelance, be really prepared. <clears throat> for A, having to oversell yourself all of the time. Um, I'm not saying lie, but if you've done something good, tell them it was the best thing that ever got made. Because uh, there are loads of freelancers, you know, there's, there's lots of us. So you really have to prove it. And make really good existing, uh, make really good friendships whilst you're working, so it will become an existing relationship. Mm. There is nothing nicer than getting to work with people more than once, particularly yeah. if it worked well the first time. And then you feel like you're both on a journey together and then it, it's not so bad. Uh, and secondly, I had another good one. Oh, um, have a good sofa to sleep on. If you're freelancing, you tend to be working really, really late, long hours, and you might miss your train, or I've got a great one under the name of Adrian Bliss who offers me up his sofa whenever I so need it. Um, <laughs> And then it's also great when you're not working because you've just got somewhere really nice to not be sad. It is a nice <laughs> yeah. sofa, actually. It's very, very cushy. It's a very nice sofa. It's sort of like velvet. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I it's, it's quite gothic, ribs, though, actually. 
Yeah. I don't want to say that yeah. word. Anyway, um, <laughs> I guess I guess with that, yeah, what you're saying is is that the, yes, the freedom of freelance is wonderful. It's very daunting as well. But yeah, it's, but it is yeah, it is daunting, and it is it's a difficult. It's I think I think with that freedom comes a whole lot of like responsibility and scary stuff because you, you you fend for yourself and you work for yourself. And for me, actually, having just come out of a large company, I really miss people who are more experienced than me. I really, I quite, I quite miss that actually. And working with people, going into a company and being freelance is quite nice because you get to work with older people who know shit tons more than you do. They've shot so much more stuff than you have, and you learn a lot off them. And I think that's what I'm, that's what I really miss about being freelance. Yeah, having been freelance for about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think finally, and I'm going to open it right up to all three of you guys. We've had this chat multiple times. Oh God. <laughs> what's one thing? each of you would like to accomplish by the end of 2016? Well, I'm, I've got to finish this book. This book is a big thing What's for me. The title is Bloom, like <laughs> flowers bloom, navigating life in style. Um, but yeah, my deadline was two weeks ago and you know, it's not happening. So that, that's one thing I have to finish. And I think in general, um, I want to do things off YouTube as well. So I love YouTube, but I'm trying to expand and do different things. and work in different atmospheres, you know, mm. like doing this kind of stuff is really cool for me because I'm, like Charlie has pointed out, I'm alone all the time. Um, <laughs> I didn't say <laughs> So yeah, that's, that's my goal. And to just do stuff, you know, because I feel like in the beginning I, it was such a solitary thing, mm. me doing stuff alone, you know. I'm trying to get out there. That's one thing. But the book, yes. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to hopefully finish or at least have shot this feature film that I keep wanging on about. I'd like to get verified on Twitter at some point mm. <laughs> by the end of the year. Um, yeah. If anyone can sort that out, especially if you can do it before Ben Cook does. Yeah, me and Ben, be, me and Ben, be even better. we've been scheming. Yeah. You don't want to know the schemes that we've been plotting in secret. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I thought I had a solid answer, but now it's to get verified on Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am there? also currently writing a book, a novel. Um, and have been for the last six or seven months and in my head at the end of last year I was like I want it done by the end of February and it's going to be great and it will be finished and we're now in March and that has not yet happened so yeah I'd, I'd like to maybe gain some more confidence in believing that something like that could be real for me I'd like a book anyone listening Harper Collins, Penguin, Random House <laughs> I'd really like a book <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. okay what's our target for this year? Oh my. Oh, mine was to get a cool new job, which just happened. So I'm stoked about that. A very cool new job. But um, I guess, no, I'm not going to say too much about it. But I'm, I'm very, very happy. How about you? Uh, more of this. Yeah, that's, oh, that should have been my answer. More of this. <laughs> you jerk. I think, um, yeah, seriously, like, uh, this is, I, I guess we've come to the end now. It's, a, it's been an incredible conversation. I think actually the whole, this whole experience, uh, having you guys here was probably one of the most daunting things starting off um, but actually uh, you've been incredibly amazing and thank you so much for coming down thank you for watching um, and I guess we'll see you next season uh, season three for a massive massive season um, thank you very much and goodbye let's have a round of applause for our guests <laughs>